Hey, everybody. How are you? Who would rather dance? Okay. <laughs> Just me. I'm like, sometimes the music's, I'm like, can I dance? I'll say hi to you while I'm dancing, but okay. I like music. Uh, my name's Alicia. I'm so excited to be with you guys today. And we're wrapping up our series, That Thing We Do. And I get to share with you about care connection. And like I said, I'm really excited to do that. But I would like to start with a time of prayer, so if you guys would join me. Jesus, I love you. I thank you that you love us so much that you gave your life for us, God. I thank you that you care about our lives and you care what happens in our lives. I love that even if we are in a hard spot in our life and we don't feel you, you are still there. And I'm just grateful that you want to do something cool through our lives. You don't want us to stand on the sidelines. You want to be a part of this amazing story that you created. So I pray that whatever part that you want us to be a part, and if something I say today speaks to the hearts, God, that we would see that, especially to myself. If there's something I need to see in this, God, help me. So I love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So yeah, I, my name is Alicia, and my family and I moved here from SoCal in November. It'll be two years, and I think we're finally getting settled in. I now know that the highway over here is called 50, <laughs> not the 50. I also know um, how to get to Sutter Street without Google Maps. They'd be like, Mimi, you know where this place is, right? Oh, yeah, totally. No, I don't. And then this land is your land, and this land is my land, but this land is not Dodger land. <laughs> oh, Dodger blue. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. The Lord still can speak through people like me, I think. Um, but we're grateful. My husband and I are grateful for the friendships we've started to make here. And I believe connection is so vital in life, right? Because life is crazy. If you just think about the past five years of your life, are there things that have happened that you didn't expect? Yeah, well, I have two kids now. <laughs> two more human beings I didn't expect. And this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus is someone who is God, and it wanted to be intimate enough that he came down, lived this life we were living so he could understand what we were going to go through. He was going to go through things. So when he says these words, he's not a God just saying it from on high. He's a God who's lived this, right? And so there's this verse that I love in John 16. It's John 16, It's Jesus's words. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And what Jesus says, if you look in that second line, it's not if you have trouble, it's when. So, you know, I lived a life where I felt like, okay, I, I'm still living my life, <laughs> where if I make the good decisions, if I do the right thing, I will escape all trouble in my life. Wrong. You can't escape it. And I think some of us have already experience that in our lives. And to give you some context of what Jesus was speaking here, he was talking to the disciples, and this is right before he was going to be betrayed and died on a cross. Something he didn't deserve to go through, but he did. And why he was speaking two types of trouble. The first type of trouble was this distress that the disciples were going to feel. They left their lives 
to follow this man they believed was the son of God, the Messiah. And then in just few hours in less than a day, they were going to see him hanging on a cross and they were going to think, did I make the wrong decision? Maybe he isn't the son of God. And have we felt that in our lives where we believe God wants us to make this certain decision in our life and it's, it's hard for us to make this decision and then we make it and then nothing but trouble happens. And you're like, was I supposed to do this? Was I supposed to marry this person? And God's like, this is normal. When I ask you to do something or follow me, it's not going to be all sunshine and roses sometimes. And then he's talking about another trouble, persecution. So they're going to see that Jesus rises from the dead. He is the man he said he was. He is the son of God. And they're going to give his, their lives over for him. But they're going to die because of it. And that still happens around the world today in different countries. But I think Jesus is speaking even more intimately to our hearts, where we deal with this in a day, on a daily basis sometimes. And they, this type of trouble I'm talking about is stuff that happens to us that we didn't necessarily bring on ourselves. It wasn't by a decision we made. Maybe it was by a decision somebody else made. Or maybe it was an illness that we got or someone close to us. If we're a child of divorce, our parents made a decision that we didn't have, you know, the choice in, but we're affected by it. And so I think Jesus is speaking about that kind of trouble too, saying these things are going to happen to you. And when you come to this crossroads in your life, you can choose one of two ways. In, in this verse, before he talks about trouble, he says, I have told you these things, so in me you will have peace. So how are we going to have peace in these times of trouble? We can blame or we can believe. Whether you believe God or not, you can blame him. And what's awesome about our God is he can take both. And he loves you through that. But what I've come to learn through troubles I've experienced so far in my life, and I know there are still troubles to come because, like Jesus said, it's going to happen is that if you choose to believe, even though you don't understand why this is happening to you and you don't know what the outcome is, when the outcome comes and you see how God has brought you through, you're going to be transformed by that situation. And then it's going to make you passionate about the situation that hurts you. And then you're going to start to produce this outward manifestation of this life turned upside down by Jesus and what he did in that bad situation. And then you're gonna, your heart's going to be wanting to help others in that because you understand what they're going through and you want to show them you can make it through, right? And this is what I believe our care groups do here at Lakeside is you, you hear the phrase, hurt people, hurt people, right? I believe that with Jesus hurt people can help people. You have people like Carrie Warner, who oversees our grief share, people who have just lost someone in their lives. And the first time I met with her, she said, I love sad people. <laughs> exactly. Only someone who's been transformed by Jesus can say that. She, was, she has experienced loss in multiple times in her life. 
And she has seen Jesus pull her through that, and she wants to be there for others. We have people who do our mercy team, and in our mercy team, this is a team that makes meals for people who have just had a baby or have experienced the loss of someone or someone who's gone through a surgery, and they get it. They get that when you're dealing with those things, your mind can't even wrap around the simplest of needs of making a meal. And so they want to be there for people. We have lay counselors who have trained for months and gone through a program to help people in our community who need someone to talk to but don't have the finances to do that. And we have these chaplains who I, I say that they're, they deal with crisis situations. They're like first responders for your emotional and spiritual needs. Like you just found out someone's in the hospital or a family member just got this illness that you were not, you didn't see coming and they just need comfort. And we have a 24-hour phone number that you can call and someone will come to be with you. These are people who have seen Jesus transform their lives and they've chose to believe instead of blame him. And I know it's easier said than done. And so what does that have to do with you? First, if you are someone in the midst of a time of trouble, know you are not alone. That, that Jesus understands and that there is someone that has gone through this too. So don't isolate yourself. Don't go in. That's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to think you're alone, that God has forgotten about you. And why would this loving God do this to you? And Jesus says, no, I have something for you in this. This is going to hurt right now. I, I get it. And I don't want you to hurt, but I know what's on the other side. So you've got to believe there's a reason. So know that, that you're not alone. Second, in your lakeside life, there's a list of our care groups. And if you are one of those people that have been through the fire and come out and seen Jesus work, and you say, hey, I can help in one of these areas. I totally understand this. I want to help someone. I want to give myself to others. Write it on your Connect card. It's up here on the screen. Write it on your Connect card or talk to me. I'll be at the info booth after. I'm going to invite the band up, but I want to just challenge us with one more thing. I believe that the way that we can make Jesus known in our world today is by sharing about these troubled times. It's like we feel sometimes as Christians that we need to show that our lives are great. But what the world needs to see is that our lives are really hard and we need Jesus. And we need to show the world that in these hard times, that Jesus is able to pull you through. Because that's how Jesus shows he's still living today. That's how Jesus shows he's still alive and working in our lives today. So I challenge us as a Lakeside community to share about these areas in your life that aren't so great. And maybe they're areas that happen because you didn't make a good decision. But God brought you out of that. you got to share these things, guys. Because that God who still rose Jesus from the grave, and is living and active in our lives. So take this moment to really look at our hearts. And maybe there's areas, maybe you've built walls that need to come down to make you more, more vulnerable so Jesus can do some cool things. He wants to make you a part of that beautiful story. Good morning, everybody. Morning. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad to have you here. Thanks for being here. Everyone doing good? Yeah. How's, that, how's your old heart? Great. Brr, great. Uh, yeah. How's everybody else's old heart? 
Yeah, do you ever find that your old heart gets broken? Do you ever find that your old heart grows cold or hard? The reason we have care-oriented ministries here at Lakeside is because we know the condition of our old heart. And we know that they break and they get hard and they get cold and they need healing. And all of those care ministries that Alicia was describing are designed to help us be healed and to take the power of God that he gives us through Jesus and work in our heart for healing. I love having Alicia with us on our team to be able to lead that whole area and then to help us understand that area and, and calls us into that area. I love what she's doing among us as our pastor of adult ministries. I want to let you know we also have just invited another person to come and join our team as our second pastor of adult ministries. His name's Ryan Reed, and he and his family are going to join us in about a month to be with us. And uh, Ryan's going to work in the area of the well-crafted life. So Alicia focuses on care and connection ministries, and Ryan will lead us in the well-crafted life, which is exactly what we're talking about these days. We're, we're in this series. We're finishing up today uh, this series called That Thing We Do. And it's all about why we do what we do and the way we do it, because churches are all the same, and yet churches are all different from one another. We all have singing. We all have talking. But we do it in so many different ways, and we engage one another in so many different ways, and we engage our community in so many different ways. So the mission of Lakeside Church is to transform as many people as possible into passionate and productive followers of Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. And everything we do is, is designed to involve that mission, engage that mission. And so today we want to talk about why we do what we do and the way we do it in particular regard to the well-crafted life. What does it look like to live a well-crafted life as a follower of Jesus? I want to tell you a story today from Scripture. If you have your Bible, you can pull it out and turn to Luke chapter 6. And I'm going to read a little bit of this. If you don't have a Bible with you, if you have your phone, there's the YouVersion Bible app. You can download that. You can follow along on that. You're welcome just to listen. That's, of course, fine as well. We're going to read Luke chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 12 today. Here's how the story is told. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. They were Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. In that story, did you see yourself? We, I don't know if your name was listed as one of the apostles. I don't know if you're a James or a John or a Peter or not, but in that story, there are three different groups of people, and I believe we can find ourselves in that story. 
Let me describe the groups of people for us. First group of people that show up, Jesus says they're called apostles. He calls them. He chooses them to be apostles. Now, how many of you use the word apostle this week at work? Probably not. It's not a word we use all the time. In fact, it, we, don't, we don't even really know what it means. It might help if I told you that it comes from a Greek word, apostolos. Yeah, it really didn't help at all, did it? They just translated the words from Greek language to, to English. Like, that didn't help us. Maybe it would help if I changed the word instead of using the Greek form into a Latin form, which is the word missionary. Oh, do you know what missionaries are? Missionaries are people that God sends to someplace else to tell his good news about Jesus, right? So is it, is it true that every Christian, every Jesus follower is to be a missionary? I don't, I don't know. I know I have my oikos, the people in the front row of my life. I know I have them. Okay, let me just help you out with this. No. Not every Jesus follower is going to be a missionary. Now, every Jesus follower is called to carry Jesus with us and carry the story of Jesus with us. But some people, Jesus sets apart and he goes, you're going to be sent to another place. Not, not all of us are going to go to Botswana as missionaries. Not all of us are going to go to the Philippines as missionaries. Not all of us are going to leave Santa Cruz and go to Folsom to start a church. Only a few are missionaries. So you look at this group, and this group, Jesus has this all-night prayer, prayer night, and then he comes and appoints this group of missionaries. Now, that's probably not going to be most of us. But it's some, it's those 12 that Jesus called, and he named them. He said, you're going to be apostles. You're going to be missionaries to go out to these other parts of the world. And they did. But that's not all of us. So there's another group of people that show up in this story. They show up. Uh, a little bit later in verse 17, there's this crowd of people. They come from Jerusalem, and they come from Judea, and they come from the coastal regions around what is now Lebanon. They come from all over the place to hear Jesus. Why? Because he was so interesting. They, they, they said, Jesus is going to talk. I'm, I'm going to be there. Jesus is going to do one of those healing things. I'm going to be there. If Jesus, if Jesus was going to be in your community or someplace you could get to, and you just found out you had cancer... Or you've been struggling with cancer for a few years and you've been to the doctors and you've been to the witch doctors and you've been every place you can think of and nobody's been able to help you. And you find out that Jesus is coming. Wouldn't you move heaven and earth to get there? That's what these people were doing. They came from all around the region to hear Jesus. They weren't missionaries. They'd be more described as fans. You know fans? Anybody a fan of anything today? What are you a fan of? The Dodgers. We have an infection going on among us today. It's, I'm, I'm, it's a blue infection. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, if you're a fan, you're like, I like them a lot. I like them so much, I wear their shirt to church. Like, oh, that's amazing, right? And some of you are fans of other better groups i mean other group i mean other groups other other groups who whose colors are like orange and black or or purple and white you know i i don't i don't know so i don't know what who your fans are, but you get the idea of fan right a fan is somebody who likes something a lot now there are people around jesus they came around from all over the region because they liked jesus a lot they're like jesus is doing a healing show i gotta be there 
Jesus is going to do one of those demon extraction things. I've got to be there for that. If you heard that Jesus was going to be at Golden One Arena, would you go? You would? Would you pay money to go and hear him? If I told you I was going to be at Golden One Arena? Yeah, yeah you would not. They were fans of Jesus. They, they liked him. They liked to listen to him. They liked to see the things that he did. They liked him. They were fans. And then there was another group of people. They're, they're not apostles. They're not missionaries, but they're more than fans. They're this group of people in the Bible. They're called disciples often. Now, how many of you at work use the word disciple this week? That's what I thought. It ranks pretty close up there to apostle. We don't talk about it, but a disciple simply is someone who follows. And they don't, and they don't, uh, a fan is someone who follows Jesus around. A follower, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. See, there's, there's these, there's these followers of Jesus. They're right there with Jesus after the all night prayer time. You ever, you ever prayed all night? Some, you prayed all night. What I find is most people who pray all night have something really hard going on in their life right now. It's the only thing, that, besides insomnia, that will keep you up all night to engage this. I mean, you got something that's really tough, something that's really burning up in your old heart. You're like, oh, I'll be up all night praying for this one. Jesus did that. The thing that kept them up all night was trying to discern from his father who are these people who he's going to send out as missionaries. And the next morning when the prayer time was over and he appointed these 12 to be missionaries, there were other people there on the mountaintop with him. They were disciples. They were followers of Jesus. They wanted to be close to Jesus. When Jesus started teaching, they were always first in line. Not just because they liked him, but because they loved him and they wanted to follow him. They wanted to make sure that they lived their life where Jesus lived his. They were followers. They were more than fans. See, fans like Jesus until liking Jesus is inconvenient. Fans like Jesus until liking Jesus is uncomfortable. Fans like Jesus until he provokes them. Fans like Jesus until he dies on a cross. Because in that generation, we don't get this a lot today, and we don't you know, grasp the understanding of this, but in, our, in that generation, for someone to die on the cross meant they were a loser. And fans don't like losers. And so there's this third group of people, they're called followers. So I want to ask you a question today. It's sort of a sorting out kind of a question. I want you to address this question for yourself. In relation to Jesus, when it comes to Jesus, are you a follower or are you a fan? And quickly, I want to say about that, the, the, the question is not asked to shame you. You know, if you go, oh, oh, I know I should be a follower, but I'm really more of a fan. Uh, the question is not designed to shame you at all. Because I believe virtually every follower of Jesus begins as a fan. The question is designed to help you sort out where, where are you with him? I've got to ask my own self the question, where am I with Jesus? Am I a follower or am I a fan? I grew up as a child who was a fan of Jesus. 
in my community where I grew up, uh, there was this one church, it was a great church, and they had all kinds of ministries for children. And my next door neighbors went to that church, so every now and then they'd come over to my house, they'd knock on the door, and they'd go, hey Brad, we've got this thing going on at church. It's a, it's a, it's a summer camp for kids, you want to go? And they didn't call it that, they called it Vacation Bible School. I'm like... Who's signing up for that? We, we, you know, we call it Summer Blitz. It's a, it's a little bit more active than what I was doing in, in vacation Bible school. But I went to it because my neighbors were going and my friends were going. I'm, I'm going to this. And I heard these stories about Jesus, and I became a fan of Jesus through things like that. I heard them tell stories about him. I heard about some of the things that he did. I'm like, I, I like him. I started out my journey with Christ as a fan. If you go, am I a follower or am I a fan? I started out as a fan when I was a child. In high school, my life was transformed into a follower. Because in high school, a friend of mine asked me one day, he said, hey, Brad, would you ever like to study the Bible with me? And I'm like, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Is it in English? I didn't, know, I didn't know anything about the Bible. We had them on shelves. They were holding bookshelves down in my house, but that's all they were for as far as I could see. He said, would you like to study the Bible with me? And I'm like, well, I'm a fan of Jesus, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll read the Bible with you. He goes, cool, let's start in the book of James. I'm like, all right, there's, a, there's something in the Bible called the book of James? He's like, sure, let's start there. I don't know why you don't start at the beginning, but that's fine. Let's start at James. And we started reading James together. And I was shocked because in the book of James, God showed himself so clearly to me, and I realized that if God can speak to a freshman in high school, he can speak to anybody. He spoke my language. He spoke about things that I needed to know. He spoke about a life that I wanted to live. And I was transformed from a fan to a follower of Jesus. We believe that Jesus calls every one of us into what we call the well-crafted life. He calls everyone us, every one of us to be his follower. He doesn't call us all to be missionaries, but he calls all of us to be his followers. And we've learned that if we practice these crafts, we believe there's these five crafts that scriptures highlight over and over and over. We go, if we follow these crafts, they will shape us, they'll transform us into followers of Jesus. The craft of scripture craft of prayer, the craft of generosity, the craft of connection, the craft of service. Those crafts, they shape us to be the kind of people that Jesus calls us to be. So scripture is where I got started. I was a fan until I started reading scripture. I went from James to the other parts of the New Testament and the rest of the Bible. I eventually started back at the beginning. And I was amazed at all these things that God wanted to say to me through his book, through the scriptures. And what God was able to do to speak to a freshman in high school in the 70s, <clears throat> he's still doing some decades later. And it doesn't matter if you're in your 70s or if you were born in the 70s or if you weren't even thought of in the 70s. God can speak your language through the scriptures. And he will speak to your old heart. And invite you to be a follower of Jesus. It's the craft of scripture. There's the craft of prayer. Jesus spent all night in prayer. 
The craft of prayer shapes me as a follower of Jesus. I've, I've always found that I'm, that I'm more drawn to the craft of Scripture than the craft of prayer. And I don't know, it, it, it's that I find prayer is harder work and I'm lazy. I don't know how that, I don't know what the deal is with that, but God wants to engage me in the craft of prayer. And I have intentionally tried to make my prayers prayers of thanksgiving over the last many years. I ask God for things. I talk to God about things. But I try and let the form of my prayers be thanksgiving so often because God has done amazing things for me. Today in our gathering, we're going to have a time of communion. We're going to remember Christ together around the communion table. And while we're doing that, we're going to have people over in this corner of the room, and they're going to be there to pray for you. If you want someone to pray for you, engage in the craft of prayer for you and with you, we're going to give you a chance to go over and have someone pray for you. Because it helps us move forward as a follower of Jesus, not just a fan. The third craft is the craft of generosity. This is the hardest one for me. I'm pretty generous with my time. You know, you, you need my time, I'll give you some time. You know, I'm like, oh God, you want my time? You can have my time. You can have my firstborn. Just leave my money alone. <laughs> God, why do you have to mess with my wallet? Because there's something about my wallet. There's something about my bank account. There's something about my money which pulls my heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you want to be a follower of Jesus, not just a fan? Invest in him. I found generosity to be hard in my life, but when I was in high school, I made a decision, a commitment to give a tenth of my income to the Lord, to his church. Now, you know, I was flipping burgers at Del Taco for $2.25 an hour. They were robbing me. No, I actually thought I was, getting, I was getting paid more than the taco girls. You know, they were making two fifteen an hour. So I was, I was, I'm like, yeah, right on. And, uh, but I decided I was going to tithe that money. You're like, big deal. That was 22 cents and a half. But Donna and I, when we got married, we, we decided to continue on that strategy of using our resources and being generous with our resources and giving it back to the church. Almost all of our income these days comes from my salary at Lakeside. And every paycheck, we turn around and give 10% of that right back to Lakeside. Because we are committed not to be just fans of Jesus, but to be followers of him. And we realized that being generous to his mission transforms us. And generosity in all areas of our life transforms us as followers of Christ. The fourth craft is the craft of connection. I have noticed as I watch all of us together, I've noticed that some of you are really good at connecting with others. Some of you know everybody. Some of you know everybody in town. And some of you know everybody's grandchildren of everybody in town. And you know, some, some of you guys are really good at connecting. And some of you are like, not. Well, that's all right. God made some of you to be extroverts and some of you, us to be introverts, you know? And so, you know, some of you are like, you're in a crowd of people and think, oh, that was exhausting. 
And some of you are like, with a crowd of people, like, I need more of that. All right. You don't have to be connected to everybody to be a follower of Jesus, but you have to be connected to somebody well. That's why we talk about oikos. That, that group of people, it's, it's the Greek word for network or household, that group of people that God has put in the front row of your life. You have to be connected to them well. Because God's not calling you to be a missionary to the world necessarily, but he is calling you to change your world, to engage your world, to love those people that are immediately in the front row of your world. We talk at Lakeside about grow groups or small groups, and it's where we get together with others in the church. We go, let's be together. Let's study the Bible together. Let's pray together. Let's be generous together. Let's connect together. Because we know that that activity of connection transforms us into followers of Jesus. And the fifth craft of the well-crafted life is service. Jesus was describing himself one day. He, he, he called himself the Son of Man. That was one of the titles the Old Testament uses for him. And so he, he calls himself the Son of Man. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And frankly, I'm like, Jesus, why would you have to put that one in? You, you want me to be a follower of yours, when you, but, 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 and you want me to do what you do? Like, okay, Brad did not come to be served. Yeah, but I like to be served. Don't you like to be served? Or am I, the, am I the only one? I like to be served, and yet the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for others. You want to be a follower of Jesus? You want to be transformed from a fan to a follower of Jesus? Give your life to serve others in the name of Jesus. Don't hold back. Don't slow down. Give your life to serve others. Because in the process, we are transformed. Now, I know that in a room with this many people, there are people that are fans of Jesus. There are probably people that are not even fans of Jesus yet, honestly. That's all right. I'm glad you're here. Then there are some people that are fans, like, I like Jesus a lot until it gets inconvenient or until I disagree with him. And there's people that are followers of Jesus. And I don't know where you are on that spectrum, but I would invite you to do this. Ask yourself, which one of those crafts is God knocking on my heart about to say, do this one, engage this one right now so that I can transform you into a follower of Jesus? Which one? For you, it might be different than the one it is for me. Which one? And then lean into it and see what Jesus does with you. Lord, thanks for loving us like you do. Your love is great and amazing, and we're grateful for it. We're grateful for you. Lord, I pray for everybody in the room. I, I cannot pray for everyone by name right now, right here. And I can't pray for everyone according to their specific need right now. You already hear our prayers. We're all talking to you, and you hear our prayers, and you know our needs, and you know the ones who are saying, Jesus, I so want to follow you, not just follow you around. And so, Lord, hear our prayer and speak to us about that craft 
which would be life transforming for us. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for rising to life again for us. Amen.